It's a delight to be together. Good morning. My name is Vesey. I'm privileged to be part of the eldership team here, and it's great to to come and celebrate our God. He's such an amazing God. Um, during the time of worship, it was just so clear that um, there's a there's a a response from this hall going up to Him because He deserves all of that. And so, well done, just for the way in which you're responding. Um, we thank to the word and so this morning we we have been as a church journeying through uh, this incredible letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians and this morning we're carrying on but in it's in a strange way we're going to carry on we basically have preached through Colossians as a letter but what I want to announce this morning is that this is not the end of the um, of the journey we may have come to the end of the road but it's not the end of the journey and so often when you when you travel you may come to the end of the road but there's still a journey ahead that you've got to complete and kind of sense that this is what God wants us to experience as we carry on and so we've kind of gone to the way to the end of Colossians chapter 4 and we've looked at a couple of things from that but this morning guess what I want to ask you to go to the right to the beginning is that okay so why don't you just take up your Bibles, if you've got a swipe device that's called a tablet or a, t or a phone or whatever, just swipe with your fingers and, um, and get to Colossians. By the way, this is just for free, okay? Just as you're busy paging and swiping or whatever it is. You know what is so helpful? In actual fact, I think we would love to see how we can help you, is, is to practically take notes. Not because we think that our sermons are great at all, but just because we believe that it's very important for us to take time to digest what we talk about. And oftentimes this is what happens. I know statistics say to me that about between 5 to 10% of what I'm going to be sharing, you're going to take with you. Thanks very much for that. It's really kind of you. Um, but the point is we're trying to extend and increase the capacity that we have to receive what God wants to say to us. We're not standing up here to keep you busy. Alright? Um, we are up here, we get together because we have a deep desire to get to know God more. And a deep longing to make Him known even more. And so that process is often enhanced as we take time. To consider the Word of God together by taking notes and writing it down. And, and if you have the capacity to just receive everything and you walk out of here and you've got all five points ready in your mind, you're going to keep them, bless you. You're amazing. You're a, one of many, of a few people that can do that. Only a few people can manage with that. But most of us, including myself, we have to try to find a way to collect this information so that when we go and dig into it again afterwards and we relook at it and rehash through it, it has a potential to help us change where God wants us to go. Does that make sense? And so, this morning, consider buying a little notebook, doing it on your tablet, that's fine. Just stay away from the games and the WhatsApps and all those things because they do get distractive. And very destructive too. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's just for free. So God, we thank you for um, your word. And we thank you that as we 
discuss this together and have conversation around the beauty of your word that you will help us, Lord. Help me to communicate and help us to receive from you what you want to say to us. So I thank you for that. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 5. Well, let me read to you from verse 3. Paul is writing to this amazing church in Colossae, which he's never been to. He's just heard about them, and he heard about the plight, what they were going through, and he wrote this to them. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope, three things he talks about, faith, love, and hope. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, we love that. We think of you. We heard about these things regarding you. And this, he says, of this you have heard. You have this faith. You have this hope. You have this love. Because something had come to you. And he says this. Of this you have heard before in a word of truth. Of the truth. The gospel. So the gospel had come to you. And therefore, because of the gospel coming to you, you have certain things that are evident in your life. Faith, hope, and love. He carries on. This gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Beautiful thing here that Paul is saying, that this gospel has come to you. You've believed it. It is bearing fruit, faith, hope, and love. We commend you for it. But what we also are saying is that this gospel, as it came to you, it should not just stay at one thing. It should continue to increase in your life and go deeper. When we think about the word gospel, many of us have certain words that come to mind. Often we talk about the gospel of Mark or Matthew, Luke, and John, and it's... It's a well-known word that we use. It's a word that comes from a Greek word which is called euangelion, which really just means the good news. Good news that has been spread around. It's not good advice, by the way. There's a difference between good news and good advice. Good advice is, hey, remember to do this in the future. Maybe do it differently. Good news is there's something that has happened. Take note of it. And Jesus does not give us good advice. He comes as the good news of something that had taken place in the past. And that's why we, we, in a sense, have to define the gospel a little bit for us. And as we go back a bit on this journey of us through Colossians, it seems like, and that's the title of my message this morning, is just the gospel and I. Is that God wants to highlight something about the gospel to us. And, and maybe that is part of this journey, is that, we, that God wants to help us define what the gospel is. Not to walk out of here with an intellectual knowledge about the gospel, but to let the gospel penetrate our hearts and change us. And not let the gospel only determine our eternal destination, but determine our current state of affairs. That's what the gospel is about. So if I could, and in just a short, simple way, just six things that I want to mention to you about what the gospel is. Is first of all, the gospel is a plan. It's a plan that God made years and years ago. Because He knew that the plight of man would be that they would be in an incredibly different state. And so the plan is that God the Father planned to send His Son. 
We see secondly that the gospel is an event. It's not just a message, but it is an event that took place. And that event was that Jesus came here to earth to die for our sins. The third thing is that we see, by the way, if you want to have verses for that whilst you're taking notes. Uh-huh. Well done. A good verse for you for plan, that gospel is a plan, is Acts 4 verse 27. A good verse for, um, or a portion of scripture, the event is Luke 23. You can go read about what Jesus did on the cross. The third thing that we see about the gospel is that it's an achievement. Our sins were paid for by His death. It accomplished something. It wasn't just a, this random event, but it achieved something. And Romans 4 verse 25 talks about that. That He came to die for our sins because we, all of us, are born in sin. And we needed a Savior. And so the the gospel speaks about this achievement. And then the fourth thing about the gospel is that it's a free offer. Amazing offer made available to everyone and that offer is salvation. John 3.16 is a well-known verse that we would often have quoted that God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son, that whoever would um, believe in it will not perish, but have eternal life. So that's this wonderful offer made. The fourth, the fifth thing is that the gospel is an application of the achievement that took place. We are forgiven and justified as we accept this free offer. That thing is applied to our lives. This, this plan, this, this um, achievement, this, this application needs to be received by individuals into our lives. It's not just, hey, everybody is benefiting from the gospel worldwide. It's just those that have received. Correct? John 1 verse 12 talks about the fact that if you've received Him, if you've received this free offer, you can be known a child of God. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you. So there's an application that needs to be made. Not everybody at this moment in this whole wide world are beneficiaries of this free offer. Do you agree? And we do not condemn those. We're just saying, it is a free offer, but you've got to apply it. You've got to receive it. And if you, my friend, this morning have never received Christ into your life, maybe this is the morning. Maybe this is the day. The last thing about the gospel is that it's a restoration because as we receive Christ into our lives, we are restored to relationship with God the Father. Beautiful portion of verse or scripture is 1 Peter 3, verse 18, and you can go study that at your own time. It talks about the fact that we are brought closer to God, to know Him and to walk with Him through relationship with Him. So the gospel is so wide. It is so big. And it's so incredibly powerful to change our lives. And so, as we consider this verse from Colossians, we see that they heard it. And it was shared with them. And because it was shared with them, it could impact their lives. Many of you are here this morning because someone at one stage of your life shared with you the gospel. Correct? Somebody did that for me. They shared the gospel by sharing their lives with me. And I could see in their lives that there was something real 
about who Christ was. I never sat in a meeting and said yes to Jesus and got into a relationship with God the Father that way. I saw people's lives and I saw the gospel evident in their lives and that drew me to Christ. Paul is writing to the Colossians, you've heard of it and therefore it has impacted your life. And he is also encouraging us to as we hear it and respond to it, we need to grow in it. Because he says there, I want you to understand that as did the whole world, verse 6, it is bearing fruit and increasing. Look at Colossians 1, verse 21 with me. It says, and you, say with me, you. It's nice to talk about others, eh? It's like, yeah, you. Talk to your neighbor, this is about you. So if it's not covering everybody, then there's probably a, something missing. Let's just make it I. Say I. Okay, everybody's covered now. All right. And say, and you, or I, or us, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. You remember that? Happened this morning. Now, don't say amen now, because that's not a great time to say that. Because then you're going to admit some stuff. Just admit it to God. Don't admit it here. Don't worry. But anyway, it says, doing evil deeds. He has now. Who is a he? He is Jesus. And this is the gospel. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you. Say me. Us. He wants to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue. Say with me, continue. So what we have received, we've got to continue in. We can't just stop there. We've got to continue, he says, so that the continuation of our faith will produce us being stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. How's that? So Paul is clearly saying, guys, there's something that you heard. You've got to continue in that. Don't shift away from it. Don't drift from it. And drifting is a terrible thing. It really is. The sad thing is that often people drift. Just aimlessly. And when we find that we're in a world where the currents are strong, it's easy just to be drifting away. There's a strong current going on in this nation, in this whole world. But at the moment, there's a current. And I want to ask you, and I'm speaking to myself, let's not drift and go with the current. You've got to rely on the gospel in you, that hope in you, that message, that strong message in us of Jesus Christ and what He's done for us to keep us from drifting. My friend, if you feel like you're drifting at this moment, rather cry out to God, grab people around you. That's why we call ourselves a body. We need each other. If there's a drifting taking place in your mind of, I cannot understand, I cannot believe, and I cannot handle this anymore. You're in danger of being just pulled along and drifting. And that drifting is not a, an, a, a purposeful aim where we're going of, oh, I'm just drifting, I'll see where this takes me. There's no purpose in that. We're just allowing something else or somebody else to take you where they want you to go. And we've got to take, be taken to where God wants us to go. 
And you're going to focus, therefore, on who God is and who Jesus is. So as we further attempt in, in, in defining this gospel, I want to just take you to three portions of Scripture where Jesus is talking to us. And, he, and in that, He's defining the gospel for us. So let's go to Mark chapter 8, please. We're going to just look at three portions, and I'm going to just read to you the verses. And um, out of that, we're going to mention a few things, and we're going to come in for a landing, we're going to look at a diagram, we're going to... All those things together before five this evening. <laughs> All right, Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. I'll read it to you. And I'm reading from the ESV. And calling the crowd to him, this is now Jesus, with his disciples, he said to them, saying to the crowd, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. We're not talking about suicide here. Right? I'm being very, very serious. But it's talking about giving up what is precious to you. And so he says, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel, and the gospel, there's something that Jesus is saying. When the gospel has come into your heart, there's something that you become willing to do. You're not just safeguarded against hell because now you've accepted Christ into your life and now at least I'll get to heaven. Oh, praise the Lord for the gospel. Now he says when the gospel has truly penetrated your heart, it changes you from inside. It does not just change your destination, but it should and ought change us. Intrinsically, we should change. We cannot be the same if we say the gospel has come. Jesus makes it quite clear. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, and it's not changed, eh? Still very much the same. It's like Jesus, you'd like talking to us here in 2019. He says, If you're ashamed of me, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus is saying, If you understand me, and if you understand the gospel, this is the life that you ought to be willing to live. Losing your life for His sake. Giving up your rights. It's not saying, well, I'll get saved if I lose my life. It's first of all, because I am saved, I'm giving up all so that He could be honored. This is tough stuff, alright? This is the moment where you look for a safety belt and just get yourself and it's like, this is really, really big stuff for us. We've got to be ready for it. We carry on. You're still with me. Because now Jesus is going to take us even deeper into some of the realities of what it means to let the gospel change our lives. And this one is from chapter 10 and verse 26. Jesus speaking. And um, we see that, and they were exceedingly astonished. People now having heard what Jesus had to say. <laughs> like many of us are astonished. Astonished sometimes would mean also surprised, agitated frustrated, annoyed. Any of you ever felt like that when you read the Bible? It's like, mm, doesn't really quite sit well with me. None of you? 
So you guys are amazing. <laughs> now Jesus, when he preaches or when he shares, it astonishes us as people. And they said to him, then who can be saved because he made these incredible statements? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And he says, Peter began to say to him, see, <laughs> Peter's like, all right, I think I'm, I'm not doing so bad. Jesus, see that we have, um, we have left everything and followed you, which they indeed have. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus is simply saying he's bringing the gospel in here again and he's saying the gospel equals prioritizing God above everything else and even family. Jesus is not saying that your family is not important. So just hang in there, okay? Jesus is just saying that I am more important and should be more important than your family. Another part of the Bible when Jesus says, you gotta first if you want to follow me, you've got to hate your brother and your mother, your mother and father. He's actually saying you've got to just love me more than them. Sometimes we just kind of tuck that out and say, I'll never be able to do that. None of us want to do it. He's just saying, I want you to love me more. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel means that I get saved and I go to heaven. But the gospel also means that I lose my life. And I prioritize what is important to Him and not just what I think I need to have. The third portion out of Mark is in Mark 14. Trying to just define how this gospel, what this gospel is. Mark 14, verses 3, Jesus is, is at this place, a town called Bethany. And chapter 14, verse 3, it says, And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, and as he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And there were some who said to themselves indignantly, again, that, that, that response from us a lot, Jesus, the stuff that you say, the stuff that you do, it doesn't always fit our world. You know what? It's going to always disrupt our world, and it ought to. That's what the gospel has come to do and if your world is shaken by God that's great if it's shaken by the world pity us because the world and the stuff that's happening around us does shake us but the best way to be shaken is when the gospel shakes us because there's eternal value in that shaking so they were indignant saying the following why was the ointment wasted like that why do you waste your life on Christ? Why do you give yourself to Him? I'm paraphrasing. Why do you offer your time, your energy? Why do you give of your finances? That's what people would ask. That's sometimes maybe what you are asking. 
Why this? And why should I come to a Sunday gathering week after week? Why this and why that? Let me just tone down. I don't need to be as committed. Jesus says, when the gospel has come to your heart, you do not ask how much. You just say, here I am. That's the evidence of the gospel in our lives. So Jesus, after hearing this, <laughs> they scolded the lady who had given. But Jesus said to her, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And I always want to say that often when you do a beautiful thing for the Lord, people don't understand that. We're not trying to boast about it. And by the way, when we do beautiful things, it's not so that people can see what beautiful thing I did. You don't pick that up from this lady. She came and couldn't care about what the people were going to say. She wanted to do a beautiful thing for God. Don't let people deter you from the beautiful thing God wants you to do for Him. Don't let the fear of man keep you from doing that beautiful thing that God has called you to offer Him. Ask the Lord. This is a scary question, perhaps. Say, God, whatever beautiful thing I can do for you, here I am. If I have to take this most costly thing and offer it to you, I'd gladly do that. Here's my life, Lord God. For me, it seems like a costly thing to offer it up. But in the light of who you are and the gospel, it's nothing. I'd gladly avail myself to you. Do a beautiful thing for the Lord and don't let anybody see it. It makes it very special. And so Jesus said, don't keep them from doing this. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do for them. You can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. And she has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, listen to this. Listen to where Jesus now brings this incredible message in. In the context of someone who had said, I don't care what they say of me. I don't care what they think of me. I don't care what it costs of me. And Jesus said, what she has done. She has anointed me. I say to you, wherever the gospel, verse 9, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Jesus saying, this is the gospel. I reckon that what she has done should be accompanying this message of the gospel because it speaks of the heart of the gospel. That whenever you share the gospel, remember the story of this lady who said, it's not too costly. Because my Father in heaven said, it's not too costly for me as the Son of God to come to earth. And therefore I came so that you will benefit from my sacrifice. This is the gospel. And Jesus said, this is what the woman right now in the front of you all did. And she doesn't even carry a name. So it's not about her. It's about the, the, the principle that Jesus wanted to teach us. Say, look at this woman. It's amazing. It's like whenever the gospel is preached, associate her action with the gospel. With the gospel. And so as we try to define this gospel and try to see what it should do to our lives, we understand that there's some incredible realities that Jesus teaches us about what the gospel is all about. 
And clearly, it's evident that here in this portion, we see that gospel equals living sacrificially or giving in such a way that the cost is felt. Giving in such a way that I know that there's a cost involved. It's like when we would take up the offering quickly again and bring the baskets back and I, and I give you this wonderful opportunity to either take somebody else's wallet, take out their cards and go give as you always wanted to give. How will that be? It's like, man, give me, I saw this other guy, like this massive wallet. I want to take his wallet and give like I always wanted to give. What a great delight it would be. But did it cost you anything? Maybe it cost you a slap because he took you, hey, what you doing? Don't take my wallet. But the point is, is it's, it's easy to give from such a wallet, isn't it? When it's not your own. It's easy to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, sent life. Uh-huh. God says, when you say yes to me, when the gospel comes into your heart, there's a cost that it ha- should have on you. Forget about the other person. God is dealing with them separately than to you. So what beautiful thing can Docker do for you? I know what he can do for you. I'm just going to probe him into that and help him see the value of what he has to give to the Lord. and, And God will be so blessed by what you can give to God. But I should start with me. And say, God, what is it in my heart that you're stirring me to give? Because the gospel has come into my heart. It has changed me. And I want to give to you. David had this amazing story, David in the Bible, where he wanted to offer to the Lord something. He, he had messed up. And I'm going to go into the story. And, and, and so he wanted to bring a sacrifice. But he needed a portion of land so that he can go and actually sacrifice on that portion of land. And somebody said to me, hey, said to him, hey, David. David, you're looking for a piece of land? Don't worry about buying it. I'll give it to you. Then on that land, you can make this offering to the Lord. It's like, that's a blessing. Come on. I can go and sacrifice a piece of land that cost me nothing. David said this. He said, thanks for the offer. But I will not offer anything. Unless it costs me something. I will not offer on that piece of land because it didn't cost me anything to acquire the land. A moment where somebody could get highly offended. What? I want to give you something? David said, you know what? I'd rather offend you, my brother, than not come to God with a pure heart and a willingness to sacrifice. And so as we consider the gospel, I want to ask you, the gospel carries with it such incredible value and treasure. The gospel is not just to get you into heaven. That's the process of justification. The, the, the gospel is there to help us here on earth to increase in it so that more of Him can come into our lives. 
one of the greatest pictures of the gospel on earth it's not a big church with wonderful facilities a building oh, the one of the most wonderful pictures of of the gospel on earth is not a gospel crusade where there's a lot of people and preaching taking place one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel on earth is people who have surrendered their lives to him and have said yes to him initially but they keep on saying yes to them to him daily and whatever it is he asks of them we want to have conversation about the gospel because it's a message that changes us and it's a message that message that changes the world through us so I can give you tracks and say please take these tracks and go hand them out and this gospel tracks wonderful simple messages about the gospel so that people when they receive it in their hands they can see it and that the gospel can be shared with them and and the gospel can impact their lives that's great that's just the beginning what we then do as we receive, if you've been a recipient of the gospel that way and you've read the gospel through a simple tract and saw what Jesus has done for you and, and you've applied it to your life, that's great. But that's just the beginning, friends. The gospel should affect our lives every single day. And what we want to talk about is what does it mean to be gospel fluent? That we're able to apply the gospel to our lives every single day I can get you all excited about the gospel and, and, and give you all sorts of definitions and, and descriptions about the gospel but you know what the most beautiful picture of the gospel was Jesus on the earth hanging on the tree so that he can share a message with us that we need to apply and as we go and we apply that kind of a life the gospel is made real to people and the tract that you've handed out is great but the lifestyle that you live is the real gospel. That's the gospel coming to people. That's someone taking an alabaster flask and breaking it and saying, this may be costly, but it is nothing in comparison to what He has done for me. And so please, next week when you come, maybe you can hear a message on the gospel twice because there will be twice, two opportunities for you to listen to it and we want to carry on talking about the, the gospel and how it should increase in our lives and how it should change our lives and how we should share the gospel and how we should let the gospel penetrate the world as it has changed us. And so this morning, I pray. I've got to stop here. I pray that God will excite you about this journey of discovering and maybe it's a rediscovery of the gospel maybe it's something that you've always known about in your head but maybe it's something that needs to settle down into your heart of what does the gospel really mean how does a gospel centered life really look like it's not just how hey, I got saved and great I received the gospel but the gospel is something that should keep on increasing in our lives and we want to talk about that as we continue along our journey through Colossians about how a gospel impacted or a gospel centered life should look like is that good and if you're here this morning
in talking about the gospel, there's always a start. There's always a beginning to the gospel entering our lives. It's when we, perhaps after a number of opportunities, have been listening and have been hearing, have been reading about the gospel, and one moment comes where I realize I'm a sinner. If I die now, I'm not going to go and be with the Father in heaven because my sins have separated me from Him. And what the gospel is, says is that if I receive Christ into my life and, ex and, and acknowledge my sins, I can be saved. That's the gospel. And that gospel needs to start in every one of our lives. And many of you have had that beginning. But there may be some this morning here that have never said yes to the gospel. You've seen that as a plan. You've seen that it's an event. You've seen that it's a free offer. You've seen that it has achieved something. But you've never applied it to your own life. I want to ask you, friend, just right here where you're sitting, looking at me. I'm not trying to con you into anything. You know, this is the, this is the most important decision that anybody could ever make in their lives. Saying yes to the gospel. Saying yes to Christ. And as we pro proceed on this journey of discovering the gospel, we've also got at the same time offer the gospel for people who have never said yes. That initial yes to it. And so if you here this morning needing to say yes, I want to ask you just to raise your hand. I'm not even trying to embarrass anybody. I just want to say yes to Jesus. I see that the gospel is here to change my life. And I've never said yes. Is anyone? Well done. Well done. There's a hand. Thank you very much. Any other hand? Well done. It's great. Well done. Well done. Great. A yes to the gospel. A yes to the gospel. It's the most important thing that we could ever do in our lives is to say yes to Jesus. And it should not be an embarrassing thing of, oh, can you believe they're saying yes? No, it should be a rejoicing in our lives where we say, heaven is rejoicing when anybody says yes to Christ here on earth. How could we ever despise it when somebody does that? How could we ever withhold it from them? We should celebrate that. And so this morning, Father, we thank you for the gospel, that it was a plan that you derived and that you came up with because you saw our plight and you saw the mess that we're in and you sent your son. And I thank you this morning, Father, for many people that have applied that in their lives. And I thank you that as we continue along this journey, discovering and rediscovering the gospel, that, Lord God, the gospel will penetrate hearts and produce fruit eternally. We also want to thank you for what God hands that have just gone up and said, I need the gospel in my life. I need Christ to save me. I pray, Father, for those people that as they just quietly right now in their hearts say, Jesus, I need you. I thank you for the gospel. Thank you for what Jesus has come to do for me. And this morning, I say yes to you. And just those of you that have just raised your hands, just keep your eyes closed, everybody. It's not rush. It's a moment of great eternal value for people and significance. And if you said yes, 
and wanting to say yes, to say in a prayer, Jesus, I thank you that you died for my sins on the cross. And I thank you that through that, an achievement was accomplished. That is, my sins have been removed as I believe in you. Father, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me as I apply the gospel to my life here this morning. Thank you for your grace for saving me. I accept you, Jesus, the Lord of my life. I want to live from this moment on for you. May the gospel increase in my life. In Jesus' name.